Hey, what's up, uh, this is Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. It's 10 p.m., you are listening to WMSC, and this is the WMSC interview of New York City rock band Father and Son. Now, who do I have with me tonight? What is your name, and what instrument do you play? Hi there, this is Ryan from Father and Son. I play drums, bass, sax, rapping, and I sing backup. Hi, my name's Tim, and I do everything else. Which is guitar and singing. Now, I've known Tim since 08. Like, I remember meeting you at the Tuscan Cafe in uh, Warwick, New York. What bands have you been involved with, Ryan? I've, I've seen you a couple of times. Seen you for the first time, I believe, early 2011. With Tim, if, with Father yeah. and Son. Well, you know, I've played uh, in a ton of bands. Right now, currently, I'm in uh, several other projects, including... Backing up a singer-songwriter from Arizona, Concion Franklin. Being a part of a more electronic pop synth band, Maybe Bomb, um, which is a Jersey group. And uh, a post-metal outfit playing drums uh, called the Bedata Ladies. Those are my active projects right now. You've just put out a new EP. One of the songs on it, Broken Castle, it has like this real spine-chilling guitar picking at the beginning. It makes me feel like could be playing this on the soundtrack just like some teenagers breaking into like some abandoned building in brooklyn or something tell me the <laughs> steps on how this song was born well i think that i got that guitar sound or something well the, well the way we record is basically we go into a studio or a basement for three or four days mm. and we set up some crappy microphones and then we just They're actually pretty good i bought those mics <laughs> You're yeah, right. And, well, yeah, whatever. So anyway, and then we just we just play, and if we get an idea, we try and run with it, and that's just something that came out. Yeah, there was nothing really special in that song. Uh, we've we do some hip hop sounding tracks uh, in the past, but they don't really stick. You know, they were and, more sort of jokey kind of stuff. Yeah, we did a couple yeah. funny ones. We did one other that had a really great groove but it just didn't come all together so we never really released it um but this one felt right so it was nothing special as songwriting wise it just came out like the others why don't i cue that up on the uh, cd cool. and then cool. you can prepare to hear uh, a live version of it okay here we Word. go with father and son doing broken castle <laughs> I scare children I smoke demons To deal with the world I'm in Every day is grey The moon shines on this place Where I stay It's called the broken castle Man I spoke today With a friend who got sick Of shit faded away One minute was there The next moment he's gone Translucent soul Drifting to the beyond There's a sound in the air I move closer to hear All the things I ignored long ago When alive I was too busy to know 
There's the crash of the gate The trolls cooking the slop It's dinner time in the world of the full guy A broken ghoul stares at the pot As it simmers in broken castle Camelot That was Father and Son doing Broken Castle off their CD, Angry Moon. Now let's actually hear um, a live version of it to see how that sounds differently. Now dudes, let's hear it. I move slow, I'm a ghost, I scare children I smoke demons to deal with the world I'm in Every day is gray, the moon shines on this place where I stay It's called the Broken Castle, man I spoke today with a friend who got sick of shit faded away one minute was there, the next moment he's gone Translucent soul drifting to the beyond There's a sound in the air, I move closer to hear All the things I ignored long ago when alive I was too busy to know There's the crash at the gate, the trolls cooking the slop It's dinner time in the world of the four guy A broken ghoul stares at the pot as it simmers and broken castle, Camelot.
sound in the air I move closer to hear all the things I ignored long ago when alive I was too busy to know now this was uh, Broken Castle by uh, Father and Son the live version now thinking about the song Ocean Liner how mm. often do you guys get to play it since it's so long and does it really wear you guys out to perform that piece? <laughs> it's a good question, Nick. It's a very long piece, uh, but we've only played it a couple times live. Maybe once or twice, right? Yeah. Maybe he's disgruntled, but I feel the anger. Well, whenever we've traveled to the moon, and we've, we've had a, some strange sort of space experiences mm -hmm. that have been a bit, you know, maybe not the friendliest, but... <laughs> Ultimately, there's a deep love between us and the moon. Uh, the bottom After line, all. when we when we go sailing on the moon, it gets kind of pissed. You know, <laughs> that's like its territory. It, it's its face in a way. You know, many would say. Um, so we take the old ocean liner out there. We go floating around. And then eventually, after enough space mischief, the moon just gets way too angry. <laughs> How often do you get to hang out with the moonanites, though? You ever see those guys around? <laughs> oh, we Moon slay the them anytime we see some of those. We hope to see some on our tour. That would be nice. <laughs> now, how friendly are you got are you guys with them? You, you down with them or is There's it like There's a deep hatred. Mm. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. I have a deep hate towards them. It's sort of a racism kind of thing towards Moonanites though. <laughs> Strictly Moonanites. I could definitely see that coming with the moon people. I mean, it, damn, you know, like Ignignock and Ur, I mean, what is up with them? Yeah, just their yellow-orange shapes. It's got, uh, fills me with anger. I take it, Tim and Ryan, you find you like to write music that's based on your reality and how you see the world, or imaginations of fantasy? In this band, it's more, I would say it's more... Well, it's more fantasy than anything else, yeah. Yep. In my own person, for me personally, I tend to write stuff that's more sort of serious and from my life experience. But that's one of the great things about being in this band is we have, uh, we can be mm. as ridiculous as we want. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> There's a never-ending pool of ridiculous yeah. ideas yeah. to draw from. Speaking of ridiculous ideas, what would be another good song to hear from your CD, guys? Which track? How about Sailing? Yeah, sailing, sailing on the moon. On the moon? Let's hear Sailing on the Moon by Father and Son.
All right, thanks a lot. That was Sailing on the Moon from Father and Son. Now back to the interview. Can you please tell me how you made the acquaintance of uh, Jim Pinola and how much he contributes to artwork and promotional art for your band? Cool. Glad you mentioned him. He's uh, one of my best friends, actually. This is like my closest dude from second grade. We used to exchange comics since then, <laughs> all through high school. We'd make up funny ideas, and Jim is just, like, the most talented. Like, he just blew me away always with his, like, comic book-esque uh, style. Though he has many different, you know, art forms that he does that are just incredible. But, like, we're, you know, a light-hearted, cartoony kind of band mm -hmm. most times. So uh, his artwork really lends itself to us. So it's just another artist friend who we wanted to get involved. And he's, like, you know, a third member in my eyes, uh just on the visual end. Very cool guy. Obviously really talented if you've seen any of his artwork. Yeah. I think I did. Was he the guy that drew the violent monocle? Yeah. <laughs> now, yes. for your July Blones tour, in a tour picture, I noticed a character by the name of the violent monocle. Do go on about this violent monocle. Where did you meet this person? And do you expect to work with him much after the end of the July Blowns tour. I imagine hanging with him is somewhat like Daniel Day-Lewis from, like, Gangs of New York. <laughs> yeah, or even from uh, There Will Be Blood. Even better. <laughs> the Violent Monocle is just a superhero dude we met, you know, he hanging out. came to out. one of our shows one time. Yeah, he just stopped by. He was drinking, like, some espressos and uh, relaxing in the back. He came up to us after. He was like, yo, pretty good show. He wasn't really into us. We had to win him over afterwards, kind of in, in like an arm wrestling match. Uh, so we both took him down about 30 seconds flat, and then he respected us. Uh, showed us his superpower, which is actually a laser beam that he shoots out of that monocle of his. <laughs> and he hides shit in his uh, mustache. Um, takes it out, gives it to kids and family <laughs> members. Uh, so, you know, we figured we'd bring him along for the, the tour as a roadie, you know, uh, spiritual advisor. He did some backing vocals on the EP, too. Yeah. We had him in for a day. Yeah, he Good. screams and shouts. In uh, the angry moon, you'll hear him screaming on that track. It's like, you know, those, uh, what, what is it called? The subliminal messaging. Violent Monocle is all over the EP mm. with disgusting subliminal messages. Are you expecting to maybe write a song about him just as, like, a thank you for all the support he's given your band? I think that's a great idea, Nick. It's, uh, it's a good idea. He might, he might take offense, honestly. He's a ornery fellow. He's from the 1920s. He's not really into the music, like I said. He doesn't really like us in that way. Just respects and fears us, so we go forward from there. But good idea nonetheless. What do you feel like is stronger? Do you think he fe fears you more or respects you more? <laughs> I, I feel there's more fear in the lower regions. But when you go up into the atmosphere, there's a deep respect for all things from the Violent Monocle. Would you agree, Tim? I think the Violent Monocle lends himself very much to the spirit of the band, and sometimes he will make appearances on stage, even though he might not be seen 
He's seen by Ryan and I, and he's very inspiring because we know that we better not, you know, Don't we better not up. screw around when the Violent Monocle is there. He will laser beam our asses way back beyond the moon, many, many <laughs> galaxies. And we've had to, we've had to, we've had that happen, and we've had to actually fight through the black holes oh. and, and the loop, you know. You hear us it, in It's our a very jam. scary experience. Yeah, let me tell you. The, the audience members often have this disassociation with us during our jams because that's when the Violent Monocle shows his face. He's upset. Um, Sometimes he's nice, though, and it comes out really good and everyone likes it, and then other times he's just violent and it comes out, you know, people don't know what major, happened. like, you know, we're cacophony all of sound. <laughs> we're, really, we're just sad clowns. <laughs> what do you think... On the chance that the violent monocle is mi is listening to us right now, what song do you think he'd like you guys to play? Dear God, I hope, I hope. Well, I think he he, he should you should hear you should play the recording of Angry Moon if that's possible. Now, what track that will only is appease that? him. Yeah, that would be number three. Here we go with the Angry Moon from Father and Son. You're listening to featuring WMSC the violent monocle, ninety point three, and this song features the violent monocle. You're back with WMSC 90.3. This is Japan Nick with my interview with Father and Son, okay. the New York City rock band. And we just heard The Angry Moon off of the album The Angry Moon. We were talking a bit about the violent monocle and uh, classic adventures hanging out with him mm. and how um, Father and Son made his acquaintance. Very informative tale. Would you guys um, say you'd be up for maybe playing a... Uh, live track now sure we're gonna do a song called july blowns yes um this is a a deep tune that's actually um in memory and love for the violent monocle um we just want to say a quick prayer to him violent monocle um if the angry moon did not appease tonight uh we hope this will appease and um tim angry monocle we love and respect your force and we pray that you carry us through these wonderful times ahead. 
we pray for swims and <laughs> dreams from you and, and to all those out there <laughs> thank you ready this is for you Now, what was the name of that song, guys? That was called July Blones. Thank you, Violent Monocle. Thank you, Violent Monocle, for making it the way it was meant supposed to be. That's right. Thanks a lot, Violent Monocle. Now, <laughs> looking at past shows of yours, do you use a lot of the same stage banter for crowd interaction, or is it pretty much constant throughout your travels? What do you mean by constant? Like, uh... Is it like pretty much like? Oh, is it like a scripted thing or something? Yeah. No, not at all. No, it's completely ridiculous, <laughs> off the cuff. Ryan's the the major instigator of that Hello. silliness. <laughs> I I often reference the moon though. He does. Ah, uh, it's getting old, right, guys? Uh, the moon stuff. It's a little old now. <laughs> the moon's really asking for it. I said. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even given it fully. The moon. Yet. The moon could really whoop us if you wanted it to. <laughs> we're, we're just starting with the moon, man. We have to give thanks to the moon. Our next EP, I think, might have to be a thank you card to the moon. 
I think you've put up with enough crap from the moon. <laughs> I mean, huh. damn, how can you deal with the moon? It's, it's just so between rude the moon and arrogant. Have you seen the cover of the of the album? Do you see how it attacks us in the night times? It's so vicious. Between the moon and the and violent, the between the moon and the violent monocle, we have very difficult forces of nature that we have to work against constantly. But, but sometimes they move in our way, and then we have something good <laughs> that comes every once in a while. That's what makes it so special. Yes. And treacherous. I, I thought the violent monocle was on your side, though. Oh. Well, no. you know, he's moody, <laughs> to say the least. Oh my good lord! <laughs> Did you see that one? That one like swimsuit thing he wears. Yeah. The man's trapped in the past. <laughs> he can't can't figure out his way in the world today. He's angry as the He's moon. a wild beast. <laughs> so our banter kind of goes like that. You guys are embarking on a tour out to uh, places like Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Ohio, and more. What would you like to say to people who have not seen your band or heard your music yet? You got to come see see us live, definitely. Even if you don't like it, you will know that you've at least experienced something <laughs> Truly unique. <laughs> yeah, come on out. And the water's really hot and boiling. The water's wet. Oh, it's so wet. So wet. It's kind of gross. That's what I would say. Nothing <laughs> worse than wet water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glad you agree, Nick. <laughs> Nick is an amazing man. I just want to say that. Yeah, Thank you, Big Nick. applause for Thank Nick you. and his radio yes. show. <laughs> It's always fun having interesting guests. <laughs> now, would you say, like, going out to Ohio is uh, the furthest from Brooklyn that you've taken, father and son, for uh, that show? That would be a fact. Yes. Um, we do have a Michigan show that we haven't posted yet, so yeah. that will be the furthest. Uh, when will this <laughs> Michigan show occur? It's going to be on the 18th. 18th of July. So it's in the middle of the tour. Yeah. Excellent. Now, what other dates you've got posted? Because I noticed there was like a gap between like something and the Ohio date, mm -hmm. and it just seemed like there was about like room for like maybe three to six shows. Yeah. I, I can hear like about the Michigan show. What else you've got planned though? <laughs> well, honestly, this uh, you know this is our first tour, and it was completely DIY. Everything we've done so far has been DIY, and. I mean, personally, I, I love that when bands and artists do that, pour their heart and soul into every aspect of, of the band. It really, those are the dues somebody, you know, sh should go through to get that backbone, you know. So if some success comes down the road, it can be handled well. So this tour was really an effort of Tim and mine. It takes, it takes a lot of effort. And we booked 10 gigs, 10 solid gigs. And from there, you know, we're trying to fill in the gaps still, but there are, there are a few. Uh, we're just grateful that some places gave us a shot because they don't know our name yet. Supposing um, some uh, contacts hear this interview and they're saying, hey, you know, I'd like to book you guys. What would be some contact information that you'd like to throw out right now on the spot? In case somebody wants to say, hey, you know, I'll book father and give son at my place. Email? <laughs> That's great. Great. Thank you, Nick, for mentioning that. Uh, well, we have a website where you can find all our information. Um, www.fatherandsonband.com. Mm -hmm. You can find our Facebook page, an email address. There's a contact page. So, uh, again, www.fatherandsonband.com. What would you say would be some places like you really want to hit in the Midwest besides Michigan. And, and where are you playing in Michigan? Detroit? 
<laughs> uh, well, we're actually we're playing at a place that I I can't quite remember the name of it <laughs> or where it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's how bands work. Uh, yeah, most of the time. At, at the moment, but uh, I do I will tell you that we are playing there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, we're waiting to hear back. Uh, a good a very good friend of mine, uh, who's a musician who used to live in Michigan, got us the show there, and uh, so. Details I'm waiting to hear way. the details more about it, but he says it's one of the premier live uh, band venues in in the area. How long do you think your set will be, and are you going to be headlining this show, or like second or third, or main support? Well, I think all our, I mean, typically our sets are like 45 minutes, mm -hmm. 50 minutes, but we have, because we've been working together for so long and writing, we probably have like almost two hours worth of music, you know? Yeah, and so. well rehearsed played live so the idea is we're just gonna sort of fly by the seat of our pants and hopefully not play the same thing every night you know mm -hmm. yeah that's the idea <laughs> tim you've told me you've gone to places in the south as well as in france what kind of things have you picked up in your various travels to make you a better musician I, that's a cool question i don't know i i think that i guess by getting to experience some different people from different places and cultures it kind of just influences your spirit and that comes out in your music maybe Maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, the fact that I got to spend a lot of time in France over my life and really like understand the culture and have know how people think over there and everything has, has definitely influenced my life in the way that I think. So I, I sort of believe that uh, music is an extension of our lives. So everything that we do affects our music in some way or another. Now, Ryan, for you, what are some interesting places you've traveled to in your adventures that have made you a better musician? I don't go anywhere. I sit in a box <laughs> and I wait for inspiration to flow through me. And often it just passes through <laughs> like a bowel movement and I can't grasp it and express it. And so most of my life is just you trying to grasp the muse the as it travels through me. Grasp the bowel movement. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I haven't gone as many places as Tim. He's a gifted man. <laughs> <laughs> adventure like life is uh man i i really i actually heard it um best from a a drummer uh in the band sky burial during an interview a couple weeks back he said you know you can't make good music if you don't live mm. uh and that's true i absolutely believe that like yeah. my life is based around music and making music because it's the thing that i love most if i don't make music i literally shrivel <laughs> like that's just a fact experiences all different types in life are just um invaluable you know that's there a, needs to be a balance and that's a great that's a great quote it's true man <laughs> you believe that <laughs> gotta go through the you gotta be dragged through the mud if you want to write some decent music you gotta you soar know? through the sky drag yeah. through the mud Experience the drought. Fight the sharks. The sun dance for ah. four days without water. Oh my god! You can't make music if you don't dance for four days without water. Those are true musicians. I play in a David Bowie cover band. I've covered Ziggy Stardust in its entirety several times. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. Put on, uh, put on We Are the Dead. Uh, Bowie is, you know, a huge man. He's just a very huge, huge, huge man. Uh, and that song, to me, um, just shows how huge he is. Have you ever gotten the opportunity to see uh, David Bowie in the flesh? I did. I saw his last North American show. Really? Go on. Uh, the reality tour with 
none other than our artist Jim Panola and that? his uh, brother. It was amazing. I got to see friggin' David Bowie, which is wow, that's cool. Ah, man, and he played. This was like back in I guess '06 or a long time ago, for my memory. Would it have been '03? Um, no, it, it, it might have been '05 or '04. It, I don't think it was '03, but yeah, it's somewhere around there. And uh, I, f I feel really honored, honestly, to have uh, seen that in the flesh. David Bowie. Is he like the musician that just like if you could meet anybody, like anybody in the world, would Bowie be uh, the top of the hill for you? I've already met my guy, Gene Paul from from Clutch, the drummer. Um, he's my biggest inspiration musically. But Bowie's probably my favorite songwriter because nobody can write a song like Bowie and it's it's pop music but if you like study his music the way he places chords and the way he you know just goes about it like it's completely unique and I don't say that just like you know everybody's got their own style but Bowie's the way his chords actually flow into each other would baffle anybody who studies theory so it's just really a special guy to take a look at if you're a musician. Now, Tim, what would be one of those shows that just, like, it blew your mind that you were, like, fortunate enough to, like, see that particular show? I've seen I've seen a lot of really, really cool shows, I think. I don't know. Uh, when I got to... I, when I, I saw Rage Against the Machine after they... When they first came back after their uh, being, you know, broken up for however long it was, I think, a bunch of years. And that was just, like... It was just awesome because of the... It's, like, the most intense thing you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Being really up close for a Rage Against the Machine co show is is extremely visceral. So I was I felt pretty lucky to get to experience. I saw I've seen them three times. Believe it or not, I really love them. They're like a big influence of in mine. What venue was this at? I saw them in um uh at that hip hop festival. I forget what it's called. Jones Beach. It was at right. No, it wasn't oh. Jones Beach. It was Randall's Island. Uh, it was. Uh, I forget. So it was. Played. Yeah, it was one of those. And then I saw them in New Orleans at Voodoo Fest, and I saw them in Chicago at Lollapalooza. I thought I was gonna die at the Lollapalooza show. Literally, <laughs> I thought no. He had he. Um, Zach stopped the show in the middle of one of his songs because people were were literally passing out. <laughs> <laughs> and he told everyone to take a step back and calm down. It was pretty interesting. I mean, just that's the way it is, though. I mean, like, yeah. I, I really think, though, heavy, me like real crazy thrash metal concerts are a lot safer than rock concerts and pop concerts because people like at, at like the wild metal shows. It's like, you know, it's like when you get into the mosh pit with somebody, it's like if somebody gets knocked down. You like pause for a second. And you like you pick them up and you're like dude, are you okay? And you uh, make sure they're cool and you let them go on their way. But I mean, just like with rock shows, like especially at GNR type concerts, like Guns N' Roses, it's like people don't realize it's like if you are crushing somebody to get in front and um, try and move them out of the way, you might crush them to death. Like you're fixating them. And it's just, I really think like there's some sort of stage etiquette or like crowd etiquette that's really missing from rock type concerts that uh, pe people don't realize. I agree. Yeah. I think uh, I love the metal crowds and the punk crowds. The community is really tight. So, yeah, you have a lot of aggressive fun. But especially if you have older heads in the crowd who know how it goes, like, those are the most fun shows to me. Exactly. Like, the metal punk scene, um, they know how to do it and do it right. Guar, Guar was an interesting show. <laughs> when did you see Guar? <laughs> I went. I actually went by myself uh, in like 2005, I think it was. 
Probably no, probably later. Two thousand six or two thousand seven at Irving Plaza. I saw them in 05. Did at you? The sounds of the Underground. Yeah. Oh lord. I actually met an old member of Guar. Really? The Which other day. one? I don't know. I moved him. <laughs> he was really. I was on a moving job in Brooklyn, and uh, my boss comes outside. He's like, "Hey, you know that guy was in Guar?" And I was like, "Uh, wow, what?" So we talked. That's cool. <laughs> wow. So what was this like? The bassist, or like a former guitarist, or drummer, or? I ah, I wish I could tell you. Haven't they had a lot of different members over yeah, the years? Yeah, I mean, it's like they, they probably have about 20 or 30 different. members total, like yeah. current as well as former. Yeah, so he was just one of the uh, the army of glory. Was he like some really <laughs> huge dude or was he like a smaller person? He was a pretty, a pretty big one. <laughs> a pretty big man. Not as huge as Bowie. Bowie is a big, big man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this Gore guy was pretty big. Maybe he was like a former... Beefcake the Mighty Guy. It very well could have been. Although, I mean, up until, like, uh, last year, Casey Orr, rigor mortis guitarist, was uh, doing Beefcake the Mighty for many years. But um, there's been different Beefcake the Mighties besides Casey Orr. I'm not familiar with Beefcake the Mighty. Could you play one of their songs, maybe? No, no, Beefcake the Mighty. What is that? He He's, like, one of the bassists oh. for Guar. Oh, You know, okay. you got, like... Beefcake the Mighty, you've got Flatulus Maximus, you've got Odorous Ungerous. You gotta give respect to Odorous, though, above everybody else. Um, He's like the Violent Monocle for us. How often do you think, though, the Violent Monocle will be able to sing? Are you expecting, like, only studio-type contributions from the Violent Monocle, or maybe on-the-road contributions? Hopefully he helps us out while we're on the road. He sneaks in the PA systems. And either demolishes them or he aids with his voice, vocal talents. He's a tricky little man. He's a big man. Not as big as Bowie. He's a big man. Now, who would win in a fight, the Violent Monocle or Bowie, though? That's a, that's actually, Jim Panola is going to uh, make a, a beautiful comic display of this battle. And we'll see. It'll be up to the mind of the creator uh, who actually wins. But... Um, Huge David Bowie and the Violent Monocle are definitely a good match. You ever think of like maybe hiring somebody to make like a three or four minute cartoon? Yeah, we did yes. think of doing this actually. I think we will do that. Well, I would. I want a comic book. I think that would be cool. Really yeah. cool. We we have so many ideas. It's incredible. Yeah. It just is all about funds. Like if we had time and funds, just like many artists and bands, yeah, uh, we would have so many cool little things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Damn, I was thinking of something crazy with Violent Monocle. Um, <laughs> he put that thought in your head, and then yeah, he I took mean, it from it's you. It's like kind of like a broken record type thing. It's like it hits you every like twenty seconds to like every couple of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, it just have you ever seen any of like the um, indie type cartoon things on the internet, like on YouTube, like Shut Up Cartoons? No, not no. familiar. It's, like, just amazing stuff because, like, the animation quality really isn't that great. But you see the stuff, it's, like, it's been online for about, like, three months or something, and it's up to, like, two million hits. Mm. What it has, a really crazy promotion team. That's what it, it does. It's, like, it, it doesn't matter really how great something is. If you've got, like, some really ace promotion people, you can really bring an insane amount of attention mm-hmm. to anything. Because it's like just for music, though, how much would you say is actually the actual songwriting part of it and performing and the business end of it, as well as just straight up promotion? Would you say Hmm. that's like 50 percent of it, 70 percent of it or like 90 percent of it? The split is 
is definitely terrible. I was just thinking this on the way over here. Like, it's not fair. 90% of our lives should be writing music and mm -hmm. performing it and recording it. And probably 10% of my life is that. And the rest is all the other stuff. And musically with this band, uh, it's definitely true, you know? Like, it's just another full-time job, like booking this tour, uh, setting up things like this. Uh, we're actually in the Aquarian this uh, week. So setting up that promotion, um, getting the CDs pressed, merchandise, we just got shirts and stickers made. The email chains between bands and promoters from all around, it's like, oh my gosh. If, if all that was spent in the songwriting, and hopefully, eventually, you know, other people will be involved to take care of the b more business aspects so we can just work on the music, have more of that percentage being taken care of. But it is an overwhelming percentage more towards, like, promotion and business. Speaking about the business side of things, would you want, how long would you want to um, be doing, like, this DIY, like, um, burn, like, your own, like, CDRs and stuff? And when would you want to actually, like, have, like, an independent label or something like that approach you and what kind of terms would be agreeable for you i think now would be a good time <laughs> now and a couple million would do just fine <laughs> <laughs> we uh we're open yeah we're open to it it's like i don't know i mean my only thi my only thing would just be i um if we could just be able to dedicate dedicate ourselves to writing and playing it's, you know what i mean the whole trick is like tim and i just want to play music constantly <laughs> yeah that's the trick like and and you know have the rest of our lives around that you know and uh so if a label can help us get there you know that's the dream to have have some help in creating what what we do yeah would you say something that'll be appearing first will be like cds cassettes and what when do you think vinyl will be appearing i i don't i mean i don't really know i don't i <laughs> i haven't really we haven't really thought we've got our hands full with paying for all this other crap already <laughs> stickers and t-shirts and cds so yeah we we have a physical cd coming like yeah. within the next couple days yeah um so it's not us pressing it so we outsource that vinyl and cassette ca i can tell you right now from my end maybe if tim feels really strongly about it one day we'll do it but i don't i don't care about cassette I don't well, want it to come back. Ridiculous. Come on. But I know people are putting it out and it makes really? me so upset cuz I'm not buying a cassette player. No. So I'm not going to get it. Vinyl is cool. Like I think yeah. vinyl's awesome cuz it sounds it does sound better to me. But I'd be very much yeah. down for doing but vinyl. Yeah, I agree cuz it is like ridiculous. <laughs> I won't support that that movement <laughs> to bring cassettes back. Do we have a uh, official uh, father and son slogan against cassettes? <laughs> From father and son, violent monocle approved. Screw off cassettes. We don't want you on the earth. <laughs> Go back to the moon. Go back to the moon, you crazy loon. <laughs> Feel that in your soul. What would you think, though, of vinyl? Would you want just like a seven, maybe like a seven split with another band? Or would you want like maybe a limited, like maybe 50 or 100 uh, album pressing of an LP? I, uh... I'll tell you what we want and we've talked about we don't care we're not like quality heads you know we really just care about writing the music so we want to do a double album yeah we want to have a, t a double album so like two hours of music and one side being uh the crazier side of things and the other side being the more beautiful aspect that we touch on so we just want to get a lot more of our music out there 
we're not too concerned. The good about thing about Ryan and I, which is that whenever we get together, we always it's like we're never tapped for ideas or anything when it comes to writing. So that's why we feel we could we could pull off a double album and it would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's choking. Is it time to play some music? Nick? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Ocean liner or something yeah. else first? Ocean liner. <laughs> this beef oh, jerky is crazy. <laughs> you gotta watch the jerky. It comes back. It comes, it comes alive when it hits the asses in your stomach. Were you guys planning on playing another track? Yeah, we can play one more for you. Now, um, a little farewell, Diddy. Let me just ask you one more question. Then. Sure. It seems like you have a pretty DIY approach to touring, and you have a show in Ohio this month. What were some of the steps you went through to make yourself confident on driving out to Ohio as well as to make it a smart choice for father and son to do so? We were just thinking we, about We that. weren't thinking uh, none of well, we weren't really thinking logically in any <laughs> uh, in the sense that uh, we're kind of really doing it for the experience and also to just get out and play in as many different places as we can. Yeah. But, you know, we got uh, we got a roof rack for my car. <laughs> To store uh, some extra stuff. Hopefully that'll uh, make it a little easier. We I have a tent that we plan on sleeping. Yep. I actually, <laughs> I've been out on the road with a band on a very DIY approach. And uh, I just learned from them. I took it as a really great, like, learning experience. I went out, like, three or four times all the way to uh, Minnesota, Indiana. Played Michigan a couple times. Uh, the Northeast. So I based my tour, or, like, our tour um booking it around that basically and i knew i had great experiences in michigan so trying to get um some shows out there and ohio's along the way so that's how it works would you say maybe something in north dakota is in your near future as well that's a little little far well, i mean <laughs> north dakota is like a little bit away from like wisconsin and minnesota yeah, that was the other band. We <laughs> yeah. we we need to go like maybe within a ten hour radius or like thirteen tops. I don't I don't know. It it was definitely just like fly by our seat, see what you know, throw the hook in the water, see what we'll catch. And it didn't come out as expected, but we got some really good stuff too that we didn't expect, so we'll report back after the tour, <laughs> see how it went. <laughs> I see. Now, would you want to listen to um, the Ocean Liner while we prepare for um, your final um, yeah live cut of the night? Yeah, let's do that. That would be lovely, Nick. Seems like a good okay, idea. now here is um, the Ocean Liner by Father and Son.
Alrighty then, that was Ocean Liner from Father and Son. Will you be giving us a 20 minute special live version of that song, guys? Are you up to it? Uh, nope. Sorry. <laughs> nope, nope, no. Oh. <laughs> Gotta Dude. ask us back for that Dude, one. Dude, you're breaking my heart, man. That Dude, we'll have to do another interview, man. And then we'll, you need to give we us warning on that. We for that three years. That song is sort of like the violent monocle. It, it comes and goes. It has a spirit of its own. You can't just call a pont. Yeah, we can't just call a pont. <laughs> okay, Nick. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it go this time, but don't let it happen again. All right, you got it. Next time you you have us on the show, we'll pray hard to the violent, and uh, I'm sure it'll come. Alrighty then. Now, what will be uh, this last live cut? This is called "Beneath the Stars." Oh no, it's called "I Will Be Waiting." What <laughs> <laughs> <Little> a bum! <laughs> Ready? Shoot. I will be waiting 
Thanks a lot, guys. Now, is that on um, your new album, The Angry Moon, or is that um, on the basement tapes, or is this something you've written recently? That's, in, um, that's on the basement tapes. Hmm. Yes, sir. yes, sir, Bob. Now, how old is that song? That's a year old. Yeah, yeah. It's about a year old. Yeah, a year old, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> 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 now like how, how do you come up with that were you just like walking along one day and be like I'm gonna write that song <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know uh, I mean, it, Tim and I get together and at times like we'll have our own ideas and we'll bring it and then it'll become something new or hmm. we'll be jamming and an idea will yeah. And we'll just like, you know, we'll be together and like the energy of the room will like, you know, of, of three days of like just creating music together. I think that's how that song came. Like, yeah. I mean, that is what it is. We'll play something and then we'll either just be like, that was really cool. Let's stop. And then it'll, it just evolves. It, you know, it happens by itself. You know, that's the thing. I think that's the goal with music is that it's like it doesn't even have to do with with us not to sound like corny or anything but it's just it, it comes from like music comes from music kind of you know it just sort of just sort of happens if you put yourself in the right place in the right space mentally I'm just wondering like you ever feel like you could learn something from one of those musicians that just like you see like in the subways just with like a drum kit or like a guitar and uh, they're just playing like do you think if you did, <coughs> if you did that once or twice, you could maybe uh, learn something. Well, we actually did do it twice. twice. <laughs> it was very. We learned. We learned something interesting. Yeah. We learned that sometimes we're really good. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> we don't feel it. Yeah. The situation isn't good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. like that. I, lo I like learning from the street. I think it's Do you ever, like, just say, you know, like, I don't have enough money and I, I, I want to get, like, a cheesesteak or, like, maybe a pizza. You know, I'm just going to, like, open up my sacks and I'll, like, start playing. Like, every weekend <laughs> for the past five years. Like, I, I literally, uh, since I was 18, man, that's how I would get dinner a lot of times. Awesome. That's cool. I've only done it a few times, like, I don't know, sort of frightens me, <laughs> but I've always had, I've had good experiences with it. But. Have you ever done that outside of New York City? Oh, yeah. I played in, uh, I played outside in Michigan on tour. I just took my sax out after the gig because I didn't have enough, and it was wonderful. Grand Rapids. I bring my sacks everywhere I go. So New Orleans, I go down there and do it. I was there this past Halloween and played Halloween night on Frenchman. Uh, one of the coolest experiences. It's just so crazy. You just play the energy of the street and all these people, and you have no control. And I actually played in Iceland, too, last summer. 
on the street. And that was really interesting, too. They really appreciated it. Wow, did, like, Bjork come out and, like, clap for you or no? I, uh, oddly enough, of course, I met a musician that ha was affiliated with Bjork. <laughs> it was a Friday night in Reykjavik. There's only, like, all right, so New Jersey, one county is the size, is, has as many people as Iceland. So <laughs> really? Reykjavik, yeah, oh is the only big city there. So I'm playing on the one big street <laughs> in Reykjavik. And, uh, you know, after maybe like an hour tops, a guy comes up to me and we start talking. He's like, hey, I grew up with Bjork's son. She flew us to New York to cut an album. And because like, I was he's like, where are you from? And I'm like, from New York. You ever been? And he's like, yeah, I was there when I was 13. I played with Bjork's son. Wow. So we exchanged info. I was really she's one of my biggest uh, like favorite artists, actually. Uh, so I'm like, maybe, you know, somehow I'll get to meet Bjork. And uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't follow through. Whatever his name was. They have crazy names over there. We knew a guy named Thor. Yeah, he was intense. That's Thunder brutal. God. <laughs> Damn, you know, what would you say if Bjork was hanging out right here? What would you say to her? I don't know anything about Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I I would just, you know, I I'm like... I don't get starstruck unless it's like Bjork <laughs> or like maybe two or three other artists like uh, that just blow my mind. Her album Vespertine is one of my top five albums. You know that question like what would you bring on a desert island? That's in my top five. So I have nothing to say to Bjork. She is she's said enough like there's nothing to say. I just give her all my gratitude for doing what That's she does, nice. man. Alrighty then. Now, <laughs> dudes, you've you've been telling me about this tour you're going on this month. What are some important dates that you're going to be hitting? Well, the first one, the most important one, if you're listening to this, <laughs> is the our first one on July 5th in Brooklyn at 9 p.m. at the Charleston on the Bedford Charleston Ave. on Bedford Ave. Please come. We would love to see you there. And then after that, we're going to Connecticut, a place called The Space in uh, Hamden, mm -hmm. Connecticut. And then it's off to Rhode Island, uh, play the News Cafe, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine. Um, but there's one more important date at the end of the month. If you can't make uh, the tour kickoff on the 5th at the Charleston in Brooklyn, um, on the 28th of July, there's a... Uh, a festival we're playing called Orbit Stock, mm. um, which is going to be really fun. It's in Blairstown on the 28th of July. I don't know when the start time is, probably in the mid-afternoon. But again, if you go to our website, you'll see it up there, www.fatherandsonband.com. Yep. Um, and again, uh, stay posted because we, we might include another date here or there been fiddling around with the idea of having another like north jersey show or something towards the end of the month just to fill out some space um so stay tuned thanks a lot this has been the wmsc interview of new york city's father and son by nick perkyot thank you nick you're the man all right 
Now that was uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Now I say we're going to hear... Um, hmm. I suppose... Knocking on Heaven's Door. <laughs> we're expect we're experiencing some technological differences, people. I repeat, we're experiencing technological differences. Hold on. Technological. You never saw Idiocracy? Oh no. Uh. Oh my god, you need to see that. It was like by the guy that did um Office Space as well as Beavis uh. and Butthead. Mike Judge. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, like, but I mean, it's like, with me, I've always been fighting against the restraints of the station, pretty much. Uh, also, this was like a fourth thing I got on Blabbermouth. Um, Blabbermouth was good. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy, Bird, he has like three shows at the station, and he's been with the station for like seven or eight years. He used to be like, I think a, a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers or something. And, um, now, Birds Uptown Fan. Okay. No pressure, Tim. No pressure. Do improv now. Oh, 
don't you see this is what I am meant to be? Dinosaurs flowing. Can't you taste it? Here it comes now. Some more of your Dinosaurus, Tyrannosaurus, Rex, lots of Saurus, 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 Come on, Nick. <laughs> Come on, man. It's as close, that to, <laughs> it's as close to Jurassic Park as we were going to get. I was it was giving, worth a shot. I was giving a, a Rice Krispie ooh, during ooh, that tale, by the way. We're okay, going to okay. that right now. In order for me to properly give that to you, you need to sing a song about Rice Krispie treats. All right. All right. We could do that. Crispy, 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 crispy. Crispy, crispy, I love Rice Krispie Treat. Crispy, 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 crispy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I wanna eat the crispy. Let me eat the rice bread, big, big. I want to bathe in rice crispies. Woohoo! 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 That's that's what you get. <laughs> now was it worth it? Now we get to rest and eat. Crap. <laughs> you just bit out of this freaking huge <laughs> thing. Did you make this yourself, Nick? No, no. Um, the place where I got the uh, carrot cake from. That's what made it. Mm. It's pretty crazy, man. No pressure, guys, but let's hear another song. All right. This one. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's called... Uh, just sing it. Chewing on a bad cigar. One, two, here we go. Here I go again, chewing on a bad cigar. Chewing on a, chewing on a, chewing on a, chewing on a, chewing on a bad cigar. A bad cigar. Thank you. Here I go again. 
Chewing on a bad cigar. Yeah, chewing on a 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 bad cigar. Excellent. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. This song's about ponies, everybody. <laughs> How much do we love them? Yeah, boom, boom, boom. I make love to the ponies. Pony! <laughs> I stroke their long blonde hair. <laughs> as we run through the prairies. I make love to the ponies. Ponies! Woo! Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> We're having a swell time here. Yeah. Nick, <laughs> I think it's your turn to do an improv. No, come no. on, man! Oh, come you on, put us Nick. under the gun. Let's yeah, but that, it's fun when I do that. <laughs> Ooh, here we go. Um, Nick Perkle uh, original. Japan Nick with the dirge to oh, make your I, heart I soften. Put all my energy and creativity into like the uh, show banter and uh, questions. Yeah, tell it. Put it out tell there, us about Nick. The bacon. Just tell us it. Well, many, many years ago, in Canada, they invented bacon. Bacon. For those days, it was horrible. But when bacon appeared, the world had peace again. And then people started putting bacon on burgers. And it was awesome. <laughs> the world was okay. And bacon? Bacon. Bacon will lead to world peace. <laughs> will lead to world peace. Bacon. Bacon. Keep going, Nick. Bacon is good for you. <laughs> it's not good for Bacon you. won't clog your arteries. It'll... Bacon. 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 Say it one more time. One more verse. Put it down. Bacon. It was meant to be. <laughs> yes. One, two, three. Bacon. 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 Bad for you, actually. Sing it. Bacon. Uh. Eat it again. Nick. Nick. Japan. Nick. Japan. Nick. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. Woo. Amazing. Big Daddy Nick. Yo, you ever had like the triple king burger at Fat Burger? It's like it's like great, man. You get like these three burgers, and it's like one and a half pounds and it's like 
if that like sometimes when I eat like a burger that's half pounds <laughs> makes me want to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, all that meat, all that flesh. Just yeah, it it's down. just like it's just putting flesh into flesh. That's what it is basically, right? So so what you're saying is it's a brilliant idea. I'm saying that it can go either way, <laughs> but it's a flesh into flesh. Uh, it's just an operation. Yeah. I'm not attributing any quality to it. It's just a... Uh, Bacon. Hmm. It's just a process. Uh, Bacon. Yo. I have very bad news about bacon and hamburgers. The fat burger at the Rockaway Square Mall, it closed. So Tell us about it, man. <laughs> it was awesome, man, until a couple months ago, and then it just closed. Ooh. Now there's only, I think there's one fat burger left in Jersey, yeah. and that's all on the East Coast. Then you gotta, like, fly out to, like, California. What are you gonna do now? Fly out to California and go <laughs> oh, to Fatburgers. <laughs> no, it won't, because, like, I went to California. Like, I went to L.A. one time, and I had ten hamburgers in one week. Oh, man. How was that? It was awesome. Ooh! How Ooh. Good. Well, I went good. to Fatburger. I went to In-N-Out. I went to Carl's Ooh. Jr. And I In went to uh, Burger King. I had oh, Burger oh, King, man, Carl's Jr., Fatburger. No, Good but it's burger. like you got the rodeo burger in Texas and mm -hmm. California. Uh, Put some then hot you got sauce. like you can Woo. animalize it uh, or animal flesh. style the burgers at In and Out. Uh, then you got like In and Out. Uh, and Carl's Jr. is uh, great too, cause like uh, that's from Texas as well. Uh, and then Fat Burger, oh man, that's the king of all burgers. Ready? Taste the little burger. Sing it, Tim. Good old time here, at Japan Nick, Fat Burger Extraordinaire. Tell us more about the burgers. Well, they help you um, have lower cholesterol. Tell us about the taste, my man. Oh man, it's like if you eat like a burger or if you have a steak or something, it's like a crime against humanity to have it like well done. Even medium well, it should be like medium mm. or like medium raw. Eat that fresh. Fresh meat. I mean medium rare. Well, it's like, you gotta go to Burger House, 820 Broadway. Get there from Union Square. No doubt. You walk there, bread's awesome. It's like going to AC. Going to uh, White House Subs. Having the White House Subs. I've been there, man. Meatball Subs. I know what you're talking about. I've seen them with my eyes. Here we go. You can't buy one, man. Woo! You can't buy five. Woo! You gotta buy ten. Ten. At least. At least. Woo! 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 Taste it all up, taste it. Don't you know? Don't you know? Yo, if you don't, Japan Nick, he's gonna tell you about it. 
Well, you see, this place in AC, they call them White House Subs, Arctic Ave. You gotta go there. You take all your money. You don't go to the casinos. You don't spend it on that crazy other stuff. No, no, no. Although it might be worth it, you still need to go to White House Subs. Spend all your money there. Buy a thousand subs. And eat them all in three days. A three-day sub. And then... Extravaganza. Then you gotta go to New Brunswick. Go to Tito's Junkyard Dogs. Uh, Chili Dogs, man. I, yo, I come from New Brunswick, man. I know what you're saying. So, how many chili dogs do you buy in one uh, trip to uh, Tito's? In one trip, you buy at least a dozen. Now you're talking. A dozen Tito's. It's a smart Ooh. thing to do. Is it now, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Come on. Yeah. Put it up. Oh. Tito tongue out now. Tito tongue out now. It's on God Yo, but Tim, tell me about this crazy burger place in Harlem that you were telling me about. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you about this place. <laughs> there once was a place called Milk Burger. <laughs> Had the best burgers around. <laughs> Milk burger. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, are they open at like? Till like three in the morning? I don't know. I think they're open kind of late, like one or so. <laughs> but what it's, about White House? It's a, no, it's amazing. White Rose. We, we gotta. That's what we were gonna do. We yeah. were gonna go down. We yeah. were gonna compare. We're gonna we we have, have to do yeah. that one time. Yeah, like um, why don't we do it after your tour? Okay. Yeah, in August when I get back. Yeah. Can I come? <laughs> maybe we'll we'll see if you're good. All right. <laughs> it's Hello? no guarantee. It's a maybe. All right, all right. I don't want to come anyway. Fine then. There'll be more burgers for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but I gotta show you Kenka though, cause it's got this stuff called okonomiyaki, and it's like the super, the Superman of omelets. Mm mm mm. The violent monocle of omelets. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's like, you take, like, eggs, you take cabbage, you take tomatoes, you take onions, you take peppers, and then, like, also, like, this sauce and, like, mayonnaise and, like, 
other different garnishes and then like <laughs> it's it's crazy man sometimes you can put bacon on there too or like pork or like beef man. do you make shrimp. wait you eat you make you cook a lot for yourself your right? eyes yeah. are glazing over when you just speak about this omelet well i mean <laughs> i i've like convinced so many people to go to this restaurant with me and eat it so mm. it's just like i i've really really uh tried to develop a good negotiation type uh, suggestive process <laughs> very nice eloquent I'm sold I'll get the omelet don't stop at one though <laughs> a dozen omelets yes also it's like the perfect food you can have it at midnight at 3am if you can't sleep at 6am when you wake up at 9 a.m. when you go to sleep, <laughs> 12 p.m. Uh, for lunch, yeah. at 3 p.m. for your after-lunch meal, at 6 p.m. for your dinner, what? at 9 p.m. for and your when would, dinner. And when would you eat it, Tim? When would you choose to have that omelet? Would I choose to have that omelet? I would have it whenever, the, uh, whenever it came and slapped me in the <laughs> bosom. <laughs> <laughs> what time would you prefer to enjoy this omelet? I mean, would it be a 9 a.m. thing? <laughs> a 12 p.m. thing? Noon? It'd be would whenever it be? you got the hungries. Oh, my Lord. I'm getting the hungries now, just thinking about it. Yeah. And also, you can have it, like, after you go to the gym and work out. You have it before the gym? After <laughs> the gym? You go to the gym at, like, 3 in the morning, don't you? Um, I try and go, like, maybe around 1 to 3 or something like that. <laughs> Why nice. do you like to go so late? You're totally a night person, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like I was born at, like, 4 a.m. in the morning. So it's like my internal clock is, like, completely messed up all the time. So it's like... What time do you sleep till? Um, noon or 2. Right. But it's important. Because <laughs> it's like... I woke up at 6 the other day in the morning, and I got so much done before noon, it blew my mind. It was like, by the time it was noon, I felt like I had had a full day already. So did you go to sleep for like 18 hours? <laughs> because normally, well, no, and then I went through the rest of the day, and I was like, this is an incredibly long day when you wake up that early. Yeah. And there's so much that you can do. So then I tried to get up that early the next day, and I was just like, not going to happen. <laughs> No. Never again. Not just not gonna happen. Oh yo, and did I say it's midnight o'clock? Midnight. Twelve fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Midnight. So dude, some um, I guess Want to just kill the interview or uh, wait till that CD runs out? You could kill it, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're done. <laughs>